Welcome to Untold Stories of the Torah, a masterclass in Jewish history, presented by Rabbi Shmuel Aber. Part three of the story of Yehoinasan. So far, what we've talked about is the birth, the parents of Yehoinasan, the origin story. We talked about King Shoal's war against the Plishtim, Yehoinasan assassinating the, the Plishti governor and tax collector, Yehoinasan's rogue mission instigating the Battle of Michmash, one of the most successful Jewish military campaigns in Jewish history, and Yehoinasan breaking the rule of his father, the king, and then eating on the blood and what that means in the whole story at the end of the war. Then King Shoal asking the Hashem whether they should continue in the battle, the lottery to determine why they weren't answered, and the complete the ending of the early ending of the war. Following the end of that story, Shmuel Hanavi comes to King Shoal and he tells him that because he's now a king, he has the mission to go to war against Amalek and to destroy Amalek. And he's given very specific instructions of what he needs to do. And unfortunately, King Shoal does not pass this test. I don't want to go into the details of the story because it's beyond the scope of the story of Yehoinasan. And I want to deal as exclusively with Yehoinasan as I can. But the conclusion of the story was King Shoal didn't do what Hashem had instructed from him completely. And so Shmuel informs him that the kingship is going to be given to his fellow who is better than him, and the kingship is not going to continue through King Shoal's line. And then, with instructions from Hashem, Shmuel Hanavi goes and anoints David in secret, David, King David, in secret, and he becomes, to no one's knowledge, the king of the Jewish people. And at that very moment, King Shoal, who had been inspired inspired by Hashem with this incredible inspiration, it leaves him. That inspiration, godly inspiration, leaves King Shoal, and in its place is left a vacuum. And that vacuum is filled with occasional plaguing of what the the verse describes as a ruach ra, evil spirits, plague King Shoal. And when he's afflicted by this, he becomes very broken and very torn apart. His officers and advisors and generals didn't know what to do to make King Shoal feel better. And of course, it's a lot more involved story. But eventually, they discover, they, they say that we need to find someone that's able to play music. And they discover David Hamelach, King David, who was an incredible musician and godly inspired. And they call him to play music for King Shoal. And when doing the research about this David, who's literally hasn't been on the scene until now, Doyeg HaDoymi, one of the generals of King Shoal, didn't like David from the very get-go, and he, saw, he, he wants to instigate a, a mistrust of King Shoal towards this newcomer David, who they have no idea, both of them have no idea, he's actually secretly already been crowned as the king of the Jewish people in private. And so Doeg says, Loshon Hari says, slander about David HaMelech. And he says a whole bunch of really interesting compliments in the in the verse itself. And of course, the Gemara in Sanhedrin says there's a lot more meaning behind the different compliments that he get, that he said. The first one, for example, Yedea Nagen. He knows how to he knows how to ask. Literally means he knows how to play music. But Doyeg was telling King Shaul, 
David Hamalach is very special. All this David is very special. He knows how to ask questions in Torah. And when and and King Shaul wasn't impressed. He said, "My son, Yehoyna's son, he's also very special. He also knows how to ask questions." The Gibechayah, who knows how to answer, the Ishmochama, he can debate in Torah. Navin Dava, Ish Tayar, all the different compliments that Doyeg HaDomi gave to this anonymous newcomer, David Amalek. King Shaul was able to say about every single one of them, my son Yonis, and he's also special. He has these qualities, so he knows how to debate in Torah. He knows how to understand one matter from another. He can bring proofs to what he's saying. And then Doyeg hit King Shaul with the final compliment. And the final compliment was, Hashem Imoy. Hashem is with him. And that was a, of course, means that Hashem was with David Malach. He was always inspired by Hashem, and Hashem was always with him. But on a deeper level, the Gemara says, it means the Halacha was always like David Hamalach. The Benish Chai actually writes that we see in the Gemara that in certain areas of Halacha, certain rabbis, if they quoted saying a particular law, if it's in their specialty area, we always, we always say the law follows like them in this area. But in the case of David Hamalach, Doeg was telling King Shaul, Every section of Torah that David HaMalach argues in, if people argue with him, the halacha is still, the law still follows King David. He's always right in Torah law. He always somehow manages to become the official law, always follows him. And King Shaul couldn't say that about Yehonis, and in fact, he couldn't even say that about himself. He had his specialties, and Yehonis had his specialties in Torah. But being always right in halacha, the halacha always followed him, Yehonis couldn't say that, and even King Shaul couldn't say that, and King Shaul, you know, he had a moment of, of you know, quiet where he just, he was like, oh, that's interesting. I've never heard of such a person existing that the halacha is always like them. David played for um, King Shaul. And when he did it, calmed down this ruach ra, this evil spirit, this, this spirit of that, that, that created so much chaos inside of King Shaul. When David would play for him, it would inspire him with godliness, that, that, spirit of holiness that left King Shaul it planted itself in David so when David played it came out and it calmed Shaul and Shaul was able to not be plagued by the evil spirits King Shaul then goes to war the famous war against Goliath and again I don't want to focus on the on the stories that that are going on at the same time I really want to focus on the story of Yehonah's son David wasn't invited to the war but his father famously sent David to the war, and his father sent him for, to bring, bring his brother bread and also to bring 10 cheeses to the commander of a thousand, which Rashi says was a gift for Yehonah's sons, which is so interesting. Before we even learn about David's um, incredible friendship with Yehonah's son, David had been sent to the war to bring a gift for the office, the commander of a thousand. And as we remember earlier on, the commander of a thousand is a reference to Yehonah's son, who commanded a thousand soldiers at the very beginning of the story. Rashi says, "Yeah, this is it. This is it's not named. He's not named by name, but Rashi says this this person that David was giving the gift for was a gift to Yehonasan, who was the general of David's brothers. Now, David, of course, came to the battle and famously fought Goliath, even though he wasn't part of the military, and he won and he chopped off his head. And King Shaul, who had promised whoever kills Goliath gets to marry my daughter, King Shaul now needed to investigate now who really was." This young man who was his um, uh, musician, who was he and what was his, his origin? And he started to do some research and discovered that David HaMelech's father was a famous Yishai, an incredible man, an incredible warrior, an incredible, incredibly righteous man, one of the four men in history that never sinned. And King Shaul does a, a, a very deep investigation on David HaMelech to determine who he was. Now, King Shaul was investigating David, but Yehonasan 
wasn't inter- interrogating David HaMelech and becoming mistrustful of him, Yohanesan became exceptionally attached to David. And he loved him like his own soul, says the verse. And although as King Shaul is starting to feel a deep mistrust towards David, and we'll talk later on about you know, what exactly caused King Shaul to have mistrust, and how is it possible for King Shaul to be such a righteous man and yet be so mistrustful of David, in Yehudah's son, it created an incredible love. The more he discovered about David, the more he, he began to love him. And they're actually given different, there are different reasons that are given for the reason of Yehudah's son's love. Like what caused his love to actually, to actually um, be cultivated? Of course, the Gemara says that it was based on nothing at all. It was just a pure love based on nothing. But what inspired that love? So the one opinion says, that Yohannesson's love for David was his holiness and righteousness. Yohannesson was such a holy person and such a, a righteous person that when he came across someone that was similar to him, Shirashim Rabbah says he was just so inspired. He just he, he could feel the holiness radiating and similar personalities are drawn to each other. And so Medjash Rabbah says that's what inspired that love from Yohannesson towards David. Another explanation is, the Matsudas brings this down, it says, Shaul was trying to work out what David's deal is and where he came from, and discovered David's father was Yishai. Yohannesson heard that David's father was Yishai, and he was so attached to him, because he said he has such great lineage, and his father so special, I need, to, I need to work out who this guy is. And, of course, he worked it out and realized David was very special. The Rabag says... That Yohannesson straight away knew this man's going to become the next king of the Jewish people. Yohannesson was the crown prince. The most, the the person he should be most threatened of was David Amalek. He knew he was going to become the next king. He knew that he he the crown prince. Yohannesson, the crown prince, was not going to become the next king. He knew for certain that David was going to become the next king, and he loved David for it, which is such an incredible and inspiring message of humility and and a nobleness. Yohannesson's spirit of 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 kindness and friendship is just something that's absolutely un- unparalleled in, in Jewish history. Yohannesson makes a covenant of friendship with David. He had every reason not to, as we just mentioned before, and yet his love to David overflowed so much, and he made a covenant of friendship. And the rabbis actually say, unlike Avraham and Avimelech, who were worried about future events, and so they made these covenants to kind of stop each other's descendants from fighting with each other, especially Avimelech, who was very concerned about Avraham's descendants. In the case of Yohannes and David, it, it was just friendship. They loved each other so much. They had such a deep friendship, and out of pure friendship, they said, let's make a covenant. It wasn't a scheming and planning for the future like Avimelech was trying to do with Avraham. In this case, both of them equally just loved each other. And to show his love towards David, Yohannesson gifted David HaMalach his robe, his clothes, his swords, his bow, his girdle. All of these things he gave to David, and the Malbim writes, he gave it because these were kingship, kingly types of clothes. And he knew that David Malach was going to be the king. And he said, all my, my kingly clothes, my you know, um, princely um, belongings, it all belongs to you. And so he just started gifting it to David Malach, understanding what the significance was behind it. It wasn't like a happy accident. He knew good and well exactly what he was doing, and he was doing it on purpose. He said, I want David Malach to have all my princely things because he's the next king. And it's only right that he has it and I don't have it. And once King Shaul officially, David had, had beaten Goliath in war, Goliath in war, and he now is going to become the son-in-law. Once he became the son-in-law, he was 
told that he has to remain by the king's side. King Shaul loved him. And this is before the deep mistrust started to kick in. So he was told by King Shaul, you're now going to become a future son-in-law. You're a successful warrior and you're a general of the king's army. You can't just go home anymore. So David HaMalach stayed in the palace and started waging wars on behalf of King Shaul. Stayed in the vicinity and, 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 and waged wars. And when he would return home, when both of them would return from the war, the women would sing praises of King Shaul and sing praises of David. Among the crowd of the women that sang the praises were also very cynical women. And they would they were jokesters. And they would say, Shaul has killed thousands of people. You know, that's a big compliment. But David has killed tens of thousands. They kind of, they, they praised both. But they kind of said, you know, Shaul's great, but David, wow, he's way better. And that was a real trigger. That really made Shaul extremely mistrustful of David. And he interpreted it in a very negative way. The Marble Movement writes that they didn't even mean it in a negative way. They meant it in a positive way. And he, he explains how that's, how that's possibly, possible to interpret it in a positive way. The point was, King Shaul looked at it in a very negative way. And he said, the only thing that, that David HaMalch is missing is the kingship itself. Pretty much everyone loves him. Everyone wants him to be king. It just happens to be an uh, unfortunate situation that I'm the king. So he started to have a very deep animosity towards him. And David would still play to calm, David, to calm King Shaul to, to inspire him and, and, and bring him, you, you know, to replace that void that the spirit of Hashem leaving Shaul had caused. But King Shaul started looking at David with an evil, with a hateful eye. And twice while David was in the middle of, of playing, Twice King Shaul tried to strike David Amalach with a spear with, and force that spear through David and into the wall. And both times, without David even trying to avoid the weapon, the weapon missed him. And Shaul tried to make it up, as the rabbis say, as some of the rabbis, the commentators say, he tried to make it like it was all joke, like I didn't mean to really hurt you. And David Amalach didn't think much of it. David Amalach loved his, his, his father-in-law, his king, King Shaul, and he didn't, he didn't read into those events so much. Of course, later on, he was going to, but at this point, he didn't read into it, and it was it was it was a happy accident. But Shaul was very scared because he knew it wasn't an accident. And in his ruach in his spirit, the evil spirit that plagued him, he actually was trying to kill David, and yet Hashem was protecting David. King Shaul married off the oldest daughter, who David assumed he would get married to him, to another man, a man of the name of Adriel, and then. Michal, the second daughter, was was engaged, was was promised to David. David was reluctant, which is a story of its own. And David was given the challenge to bring a dowry, and the dowry was a hundred plishtim. So David Amalek went into the plishti area to the 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 Philistine, Philistines and killed a hundred men, and then another hundred as well for good measure within the time frame that his that King Shaul had given him, and he and he came back with proof that he had successfully won this, this, this battle. And he gets married to Michal. Shaul had hoped that Michal would be loyal to him and almost be like an inside um, voice that he could work out what's really going on with David. But to King Shaul's extreme disappointment and to King Shaul's double fear, Hashem was with David in everything that he did, and also Michal, his own daughter, loved David HaMelech extremely deeply. So he realized that he has a double problem here. Firstly, Hashem's always with David, and, and it seems that he's untouchable. And secondly, Michal loves David, and additionally, even on top of that as well, he realized he couldn't really kill David without 
extremely disappointing Michal, who now loved David to an extreme degree. So it made King Shaul extremely fearful because he he realized that things weren't looking good. And as he became more and more distrustful of David HaMalach, he realized that there wasn't a good, it wasn't a good easy way for him to just quickly do off with David HaMalach. He needed to do um, further, stronger measures in order to actually get rid of David. And all the plots and the plans that he tried to do to get rid of David, for example, making him the head of his of his own household, all his older brothers were now answerable to him, or making him the a general and then a lower level captain, a very low level captain, assuming that you know in battle he'd just get killed as a, just a number. No, nothing that he plotted and planned behind the scenes to try to get rid of David worked in the slightest, and everything that David Hamalch did, he was successful. Not just successful, but successful from all the rest of King Shaul's military men, all, the, all his all his servants. King David, who no one knew was officially was already anointed as a king, became the most successful of all of them. The obvious question is, and I'm only going to deal with this deal with this a tiny bit because I really want to stay on the story of Yehonasan. The question is, what was King Shaul's real reservations when it came to David? Someone as righteous and holy as King Shaul, and he was. I want to make that abundantly clear. King Shaul was an exceptionally righteous man, in spite of how much he tormented and chased after David, David and tried to kill David. He was an exceptionally righteous man. So what was it that, that made King Shaul go so heavily after David? I'll give you one, uh, one answer, just so it, it's, a, it's a good answer. It comes from Das Sofrim. And he says that King Shaul saw in a vision that the spiritual level of the Jewish people had gone down. So he tried to work out what, what it was. And he saw an obvious newcomer. David had just come to the scene. And he saw, what are the Jewish people praising? The women that would meet in war, what, how were they praising David? They were saying, Shaul kills thousands and David kills tens of thousands. The thing that they celebrated in David was his success in military. His military success, his accomplishments in war, in battling, killing people. And King Shaul thought to himself, since when does the Jewish people place any form of value on murdering and killing and celebrity? The only thing that's valuable among the Jewish people is connection to God, learning Torah, doing mitzvahs. Since when do we care about celebrity? So King Shaul saw David as a deep and evil poison that was injecting itself into Jewish culture where we celebrate military victories and celebrate military leaders. And he said, this is not Judaism, not in the slightest. If we have to go to war, we'll go to war, but we don't celebrate people that are just good at war. What King Shaul failed to see is that David was more than that. All he saw was a man very successful at military. And he said, well, if that's all there is to him, well, this is evil that I need to stamp and wipe out. So even after David HaMalach marries into the family, and now King Shaul didn't have to be as as hateful for him because whatever popularity David was getting was really just an extension of him being part of the royal family. But the exact opposite happened. King Shaul's hatred continued to grow for David. And based on the Das Sofrim's explanation, it actually makes perfect sense. He saw something that was inherently evil. A, a, a respect and a love and adulation for celebrity, for someone that knows how to kill people effectively. And King Shaul said, this is not Judaism. So it didn't matter whether he married into the family. King Shaul, who was so noble and pure, it was so repulsive to him that a person could be celebrated for just killing people and being popular. It, 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 it didn't compute in, in King Shaul's, um, in his mind. A very interesting story in the Gemara, and I'll, I'll, I'll finish off this idea and continue on with the story of Yehonasan. An interesting story in the Gemara. In Gemara Yuma, it says that Reb Nachman by Yitzchak 
gave an explanation earlier on when we said King Shaul was like one years old. And earlier on we explained what does it mean like one years old? He was extremely righteous. Like a one year old has no sins. But Renachman Meyitzchak gave a different explanation. He said, just as a one-year-old is soiled with dirt and excrement, King Shaul was also covered in dirt and excrement. Because you read the story and you, you, know, you kind of imagine that you know, he's covered in dirt and excrement. That night, Renachman Meyitzchak was shown terrifying angels in a vision. And he understood, he had talked negatively about King Shaul, and he asked forgiveness. His official apology that he said, he said, forgive, he wants forgiveness from the bones of Shaul. And again, he saw a vision, and in the vision was terrifying angels. And he realized his apology that he'd given to King Shaul, who had passed away centuries earlier, wasn't sufficient. And so this time he said, I'm asking forgiveness in the bones of King Shaul. And this time he added on, King of Yisrael. He, he wanted to afford him more respect. And then the, the, the terrifying visions stopped. The point was, he had read the story and he had understood, you know, it must be that King Shaul was just petty and jealous and, and, and just, you know, plagued by what regular people are plagued by. And of course, they were trying to show him in heaven. King Shaul was a perfect person. King Shaul was a noble person. King Shaul was a tzaddik and a righteous man. We need to understand why he was chasing after David. But at the same time, it wasn't a weakness in character of King Shaul. He was an incredibly righteous person. Very interesting. One, one little um, explanation on that story. The Mashah says that the punishment for jealousy, if a person has jealousy, is that the bones rot in the grave after a person passes away. When Nachman Yitzchak was apologizing, it's very strange that he said, I'm asking forgiveness from the bones of Shaul, the king of the Jewish people. He was testifying that King Shaul's bones are obviously still existing because there was no trace of jealousy in King Shaul. As much as the story looks like jealousy, it really wasn't jealousy. It was something, it was something um, pure and the motives of King Shaul were not spurred like a regular person. Oh, you know, this person's going to be a better king. Well, let me get rid of him. It was something much more deeper than, than that. And much other. says that's the reason why when he apologized, he said, I'm asking forgiveness in the bones because the bones still exist. He was admitting King Shaul's bones were very much not rotted. Now, son is approached by his father together with a, a, a bunch of the soldiers. And King Shaul tells him like this. He says, there's a problematic person. David is very problematic. And we need to do off with him. But of course, they couldn't make a public scene out of it. But Let's try to kill him in such a way that it looks like an accident. Now, Yohannesson was horrified. He loved David so deeply, and now his father's giving out the, a kill order on, it, on his best friend and brother-in-law, and he, 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 he was so horrified with, with this idea, and so his instant reaction was he rushed to David to warn David that his life is in danger. His father had given the order for him to help kill David, and he rushed to his best friend and told, told David Amalekh, be careful, your life is in danger. Don't go to sleep at night because in the middle of your sleep, you're not going to wake up, someone's going to kill you. Go into hiding and I'm going to talk to my father and work out what's going on. Work out why he would possibly put a hit order on you trying to kill you when you're such a righteous man. What's really interesting is, the mom Les brings this down, from this point and onwards, from this story, when Yohannesson saves David's life until the end of the story... Every single time Yohannesson's name is mentioned, it's mentioned with a hey. Earlier on, we mentioned the story. Sometimes Yohannesson's name is mentioned Yohannesson with a hey, and sometimes it's not mentioned with a hey. And the, the reason why it is mentioned with a hey is because of how brave and uh, how courageous he was at the beginning of the story. But it wasn't always mentioned, even after that story. Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's not. But from this point and onwards, the level of friendship and the level of kindness he has towards David is so exemplary, so advanced, and so such a spiritual height that... 
as a reward for saving David and for his kind his kindness to David, his name from this point and onwards till the end of the story is always mentioned with a hey, which is very interesting. Yehonasan tells David like this. He says, you run into hiding. I'm going to talk to my father. My father goes for a walk in the morning. How about you hide in the area where my father goes for a walk? I'll talk to King Shaul and I'll ask King Shaul why he's putting a, 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 a sentence, a, a hit call on, your, uh, on you. And then we can ascertain how, how dangerous this really is for you. Is your life really in danger? Is not your life not in danger? And like the mother explained, like I just mentioned earlier on, he said, don't even go to sleep without holding your weaponry because you're going to get attacked in the middle of the night. The, so, the servants of the king have already been informed to make an accidental death happen for you. Go into hiding and be careful in the morning because your life is in danger. Now, why did Yohannesson want David to be hiding in the same place where he's going to ask King Shaul about what's going on and try to defend David HaMelech? So the Bible and the Mitzvah say both that he wanted to make sure that if David's life was genuinely in, da- in danger and King Shaul really had meant it, that he wanted David to be killed, that he could straight away t- say the message. So he'll talk to his father. If his father really has every intention of killing David, David will be right nearby and he'll quickly inform David and David will run for his life. The Radak actually says he wanted David to overhear the conversation so David could, could hear, be warned, and also ascertain what's really going on. So the Radak says, Yehonasan told David where he'd be talking to the king so David could overhear the conversation and you know, be, be aware of the situation but literally from the mouth of Shaul. Yehonasan talks to his father in the morning and he speaks positively about David HaMalach. And he asks his father, why are you killing David HaMalach? Why are you, why are you trying to, to harm him? He's such a special person. Well, he get, there's different opinions of exactly what his strategy was. The Abarbanel says that Yehonasan told his father, David has never sinned. He's never done anything bad to you. He doesn't deserve to die. And it's only, not just that he's never done anything bad. The Abarbanel says, Yehonasan's um, defense of David was, all he's ever done for you is good. And he's put your, his life in danger to do good for the king. And additionally, the Bible now adds, Yohannesson focused on the fact that miracles happen through David. He doesn't deserve to die. He's a, he's a man that miracles happen to. And if that's the case, he should be left alone. The Matsudah says that Yohannesson did a different approach. He, he, he had like a different defense of, of David. He said, David has never sinned towards you. He's only done good. And he's placed his soul in his hands. Meaning, imagine someone has an a, a expensive glass um, valuable um, vessel. If it's left on the shelf, it's it's very safe. But the second someone takes that vessel and puts it in their hand, it's reckless. It, it's not reckless. It's it's dangerous, and it's now at risk of of dropping easily. David HaMelech had done that with his soul over and over and over to bring redemption to the Jewish people by fighting the enemies of the Jewish people. The Matzudah says Yehonasan told his father, "Why would such a person be deserving of death? He's put his soul in his hand so many times, risked his life over and over and over. You can't kill such a man. You can't put a, uh, a death sentence on such a man." The Malbin, however, says a very, very creative um, defense that Yehonasan Yehonasan said Yehonasan didn't actually say so much good about David. He loved David, but he wanted to try to get defense of David. So he said, there's a better way to go about this. Instead of just defending David in the traditional way and saying David and Malchus are great, like the other rabbis, the other commentators say, the Malbim says, Yohannesson actually was really criticizing. If you read the words carefully, you see he's criticizing David. He tells his father like this, you have a problem with David, I get it. But David's a reckless person. He's literally throwing his life away. Every time he goes to battle, he's not a regular soldier. He has no fear and he's reckless. And it's not the behavior of a suitable person. But here's the thing Yohannesson tells his father. 
This is good for you. Don't kill such a man. You want to do away with him. So long as he's alive, he's so reckless. His recklessness is so positive for you. Let him keep behaving like this. It, 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 there's no reason for you to interfere and you to kill him. Let him keep being reckless, keep going to war for you. Because every time he does that, he's only sitting against himself, not against you. And it brings so much positivity towards you. Whatever the case was, whatever whichever argument um, Johannesson used, according to the different opinions that I brought, and there are other opinions as well, King Shaul heard Johannesson. He really heard the, the arguments. And King Shaul swore to his son, with David and Malach, according to the Radak, actually listening on. And he swore, as Hashem lives, he won't be put to death. King Shaul agreed with his son, you're right, he doesn't deserve to die. And Johannesson calls David, according to the opinion that he wasn't, he was nearby, and he hadn't actually heard it. And he tells him the whole conversation, and he brings David in front of King Shaul, and David was like, in front of King Shaul, like had it originally been with a great relationship. Yohannesson restored the relationship between his brother-in-law and his father-in-law, and their relationship was officially good. The Bible actually says that there was two motives, two possible motives with King Shaul's promise, because he promised, as Hashem lives, he won't be put to death. One opinion that Abarmanel says is that when he said that promise, he genuinely meant it. Later on, when the evil spirit came back into him, and that void and that that that, empty, that emptiness and that that anger and 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 mistrustfulness of David returned, then he just he couldn't control himself, and he, and, and 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 his hatred rose, and he he broke his his oath. But he, when he swore to his son, he did really mean it. He 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 felt regret, and you see later on in the story indications where the same type of um, situation keeps on playing itself out over and over. According to the second opinion, the Bible says. King Shaul believed David Amalek was a, a genuine and honest threat to the Jewish people and to his kingship. And therefore he needed to be killed. When he swore to his son, it was just a ploy. He, needed, he knew that his son was on, was on David Amalek's team. And it, was, it shocked him. And, and, and as we're going to mention later on in the story, it, it bothered him so deeply that Yohannesson and David were friends. But he said, they're friends. If I'm going to tell Yohannesson that I still want to kill David, he's just going to warn his best friend, run for your life. And David's going to run away and he'll never get a chance to kill him. So King Saul said, you know what? Let me just swear. I'm going to swear. I have no intention of killing him. David's guard's low. And now Saul's going to get more opportunities to try to kill David Hamalach. Whatever the case was, David Hamalach returned to the service of the king. And he believed that everything was back to normal. Meanwhile, the Plishtim, who had been so badly insulted by David Hamalach's behavior towards them, when he had just killed 200 of the enemy they were so livid they gathered a massive army to regather for war and they were fighting king shaul for the atrocities that his son-in-law and general had done and david went to war on behalf of king shaul and he was exceptionally successful this 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 pattern of extreme success of david Malk, no matter how mean people were being to him and how, no no matter how much oppression he received whether now, the very beginning of his of his of the story, and even later on in the story, David Hamalch was exceptionally successful. His connection to God was so pure that he had exceptional success. And out of all the men of King Shaul, David was unique and extremely successful, far beyond anyone else. But King Shaul's bad spirit from Hashem continued to get worse. To such a degree that even when David Hamalch would play for him, it, was, it wasn't able to fix it anymore. Initially, it was able to calm down the evil spirit that was inside of King Shaul. But as he continued, as time continued to go on, as, and as David's success continued to be amplified, 
this mistrustfulness of David, and again, based on the Das Sefer, it's very understandable, it became amplified, and King Shaul was insistent that he needed to, he needed to kill him. So one time when he was playing in front of King Shaul, playing music to try to um, calm him and, and to, to relax the evil spirit, King Shaul started off with a spear in his hand. Unlike the other times where he was hearing David's music and then he grabbed the spear, in this time he started off with a spear. And as his jealousy or, or mistrustfulness began to rise, he threw the spear at David, but this time David saw it. And David realized that this was an attempt on his life. And only by a step did the spear miss him. The spear was supposed to go through. Hashem made a miracle. And one, a, step, a, a step later, David Amalek um, managed to avoid the, the spear. But he understood that this was an actual threat in his life. And so he ran. He escaped. And he managed to escape. He ran to his house. And he didn't know what to do. Because King Shaul's men all surrounded the... His, his house, and he realized he had no way to get out. Now his wife, as I mentioned, was very much on his side. And his wife was very, she was very clever. And what they did was, what they did, what, what she did was, is she, she put, uh, uh, you know, an appearance that, that, that David was inside his bed. She took goat skin and, and, and hair and put it by the hair. David Malch had bright orange hair. And the soldiers came to inspect to see David HaMalach was there. She lowered David HaMalach down. David HaMalach ran. And meanwhile, they waited. And finally, they, they instructed um, to bring David. And she said that my husband's not feeling well. They brought the whole bed. They brought it in front of King Shaul. And of course, it opened up the blanket. And David HaMalach wasn't there. She, David HaMalach, um, King Shaul, was furious at his daughter and said, how could you have fooled me like that? How could you betray me like this? And she, trying to save herself, said, David, David forced me to do this. I had no choice. Now, she had no choice. That wasn't the truth, but she had no choice. She, she was the one that purposely saved David Amal's life. At the same time, she didn't want to get herself in trouble. So she, she saved herself. But David, meanwhile, ran. Where did he run? He ran to Shmuel, the person that had anointed him. And David, as you can imagine, was extremely pained. His life had been in extreme danger. He had, he had, managed to escape both times whether the spear that went through the wall missing him or whether it was his house being surrounded by King, King Shaul's men he had barely made it alive and he spent the entire night learning with Shmuel Anavi with, with the, 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 the righteous teacher who had anointed him that night it says that he learned the whole night together, and the amount of Torah, the amount of studying they had done, they, they learned the secrets of how the base of Midrash is supposed to be built, which David HaMalach later imparted onto his son, Shlema, so that he built the, the base of Midrash. The, the amount of information they learned that night would have taken a, an accomplished scholar a hundred years to learn. They all learned in that one single night, which is incredible. King Shaul sent guards to bring David back and those guards as they came close to Shmuel Novi, as they came close to grabbing David they became inspired by prophecy and they started prophesying and he sent another one and another one and finally even King Shaul came and he also started prophesying just being in the vicinity of Shmuel Hanavi inspired King Shaul but Shmuel Hanavi told David this is only a temporary situation run back Run, run for your life because King Shaul is going to stop prophesizing soon and then he's going, to want to, he's going to want to kill you. So you need to run. That's exactly what happened. David HaMalach ran and, he didn't, and where did he want to go to? He ran to Yehonasan, asking Yehonasan, what's going on? You had told me that, that your father 
doesn't want to kill me. And yet King Shaul very much wants to actually kill me. So what's, what's going on over here? And in the next podcast, we'll talk about the continuation, about the plan that Yehonasan and David construct together to work out, does King Shaul really want to kill David? And is this only when the evil spirit is on top of him? Or does he even want to kill David when the evil spirit's not affecting him? Thank you for listening to Untold Stories of the Torah. If you enjoyed this episode, help us spread the word by subscribing to this channel and leaving us a review.